Wow, it's great. What a weekend. It was, uh, I found myself enjoying some carpet time uh, last night, which was just magnificent. And, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? You can, I've heard Hazel um, share that uh, talk before, but actually you can keep your heart open, can't you? And, and as she was speaking, I was just feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit on some stuff. Just while I was the first one on my feet, you know, it wasn't a ploy. It was, no, come on, this is great. And, um, you know, it's when you're on the road, sometimes you, you too do get to, to hear stuff. I was with Dave um, a little while ago and uh, we were, I was just about to speak at a big conference of leaders, not dissimilar to this one. And just as I was about to get up, they were, you know, it was just that moment of the notices just before you know you're just about to get on your feet. And Dave leant over and he said, what are you going to be speaking on? I said, oh, I'm going to be speaking on, on kingdom culture, Dave. And he went, oh, it's just like back in the day being on the road with Terry. And I'm like, oh, come on. What a compliment. I'm ready. I'm there receiving. He goes, yeah, I had to listen to his sermons a hundred times over as well. <laughs> It wasn't, wasn't quite what I was feeling um, in the moment, and suddenly the bubble popped, uh, literally as I was hearing my name being called up to the platform. But <laughs> it's a true story. It's a true, but the thing is, I know Dave is my biggest cheerleader. Do you know, it's like as I'm up there, he's on the edge of the seat, having heard it after the hundred and first time, sitting there going, "Come on, come on." Come on. And, um, you know, Dave is a real father to me. You know, he's my go-to guy. My, my dad um, is a wonderful man, been in ministry all my life. Um, and he's, he's slightly further away than, than Dave. And so I can, I can spend time with Dave as a real, a real father in God. Um, and, um, you know, we look back. I remember Alan Preston. Many of you know him from... Um, CCK, and I remember him saying to me one time, you know, as I was coming in, he didn't really know me, he said, no, but you're from good heritage, you're from good heritage, and often we look back very favourably, don't we, at heritage, but actually what heritage was back then was someone building legacy, so we look back fondly at heritage, but actually in the moment, the person was building legacy, and I, I believe before I get started, so if anyone's timing me, I'm not started yet. This is just you're getting this for free. Is is for you as a movement for Jeremy and Anne? I believe there is there is something on you for building legacy um, that will actually people will look back one day and fondly look at it as heritage, but the heritage starts now as you build legacy. And I feel that there's a sense of, of Holy Spirit on this partnership thing. I can't get away from it. Every time I'm praying for you guys, it comes back to this partnership thing. And there's something on you, Jeremy, for that amongst your peers. Um, in, a, in a way um, that I believe God is going to really build something. Um, and I feel the Lord saying that you should be looking for men to carry your calling. Now, that's not something we think about very much because we think about we're to release others into their calling. But I feel God's taking us to a place and you to a place where actually he doesn't want you to build a five-year plan. He doesn't want you to build a 10-year plan. He wants you to build a 100-year plan. He wants you to build a plan that you cannot possibly fulfill. 
And he is calling you to build legacy and you're to look for men to carry your calling. Because he's going to call you into a plan that creates legacy for a, a hundred year plan. And it it's, it's requires you to find men who've got your calling to continue. And I think sometimes we look at the book of Kings and it's good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And, and, and what is that? There's a lack of fathering. One father did not father well his son, and so his son had to learn all the lessons again, often badly, and it skipped a generation to the next one, but they had to start from square one again. And, and I think if we're going to see this continue, that you, what you've begun with these partnerships across the world, I think there's that sense of building a legacy that will continue where the, the young men who come through are continuing from where you are at that point. They don't have to go back and learn the lessons you've learned. And there's a sense of, um, I've just got this big thing of inheritance over you guys. And you need to understand, okay, you do not need to fight for your inheritance. Think about it. You don't fight for inheritance. Fathers fight for inheritance. Children just get it. Fathers fight for it, and Jeremy, you're fought for something. Dave, you fought for something. And Dave's done that with me. He's seen in me, I believe, someone with his calling. Heaven help you. You wait till I'm 71. I'll be able to just say whatever I'm thinking, you know? What you're thinking now is, you see, I'm quite guarded now. <laughs> Think what I'm going to be like when I'm 71. But... This, I just feel prophetically over you um, as churches. There's this call to have a plan that you can't possibly fulfill unless you've built in for legacy. And this partnership thing is huge in that. It's huge in that. To build something you can't possibly fulfill yourselves. Um, and um, I think just the way, Jeremy, that you just draw people in is brilliant you know uh, at devoted i said right at the beginning we just love the freedom we found we can excel here uh, in, in a way that's just magnificent and even though you did take the mickey out of me a little bit i felt that I, well that's right i felt that i was a little bit concerned about the the material that you were going to publish have you got a slide there dave graham sent me some material about uh, getting ready did you not know i had slides you got it? Yeah. So, <laughs> when, Gra- when Graham sent me this um, and said, are you okay with the, uh, with the materials? You just need to... Uh... I was a tad concerned. Um, I just need a picture of me doing something really powerful. So, uh, for next year, next time. Anyway, but, but there is a sense of fun and friendship that just comes in a way that you, I just feel at home. Um, and you can, you can only joke with people that you feel secure with. Uh, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful blessing. So, so yeah, there's, there's just something on you guys for legacy um, that we look back on in the way we often look back. Generations as, as well. Great heritage, great heritage. But someone started building legacy in order for you to be able to say that. So, okay, you can have that one for free, all right? Um, what I want to talk to you about this morning, I promised you yesterday, after telling you you were heading into a world of pain, um, 
to, to not leave you there. And, and I, I want us to, to take some time this morning um, stepping into faith, finding faith for what God has been speaking about over, over this weekend. And, um, and that's really what I want to, to look at. And, and the thing that's captivated me um, through what Jeremy has brought and what Jeremy shared with me ahead of time was this, this sense of our effort partnering with the sovereignty of God. And that is faith. That is what faith is. It's, it's our partnership with the sovereignty of God. Um, and I think it's worth us thinking about what is faith because faith and, and, and people talking about faith can be one of those things you either steer clear of. I don't want to talk about faith because it's a bit, I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, and of course, there's a massive abuse of, of kind of what faith is and yet the big kind of faith movement and it's like, you know, all of that. So I'm, I'm, I want to try and, if I can, fire right down the middle um, and, and hold the line of the radical middle. Um, if I can, on this. But the reality is, is the Bible says that with, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now that is a massive statement. Hebrews 11.6 says that. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That is a pretty solemn statement. Right there for us to think about. Faith is pretty important in our lives, or at least it should be. And the question to ask is how much of our faith, of our lives rather, is genuinely, genuinely lived in faith? What things, what plans, what projects are you involved with in your churches that you are doing because you just do? Because you don't want to upset people by stopping them, maybe. What things are we doing that we actually have no faith for? What about your personal finances? It's not often something will be talked about at a leaders' conference unless we're talking about how you can get more finances out of the people in your church. But what about you? What about you and your giving? Your personal giving. How does that work? Are you, are you living by faith in your finances? Are you giving your tithe and, and generous offerings with faith? Because if you're not giving to God what's God's in faith, then it's not going to please him. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where are you with something like that? It's sobering, isn't it? <laughs> it's sobering. Apostle Paul takes it a step even further in Romans. He says, for what does not proceed from faith is sin. Man, this is going to I'll get better. I promise you. I mean, yeah, I said that yesterday. Yeah, look what happened. But you see, faith is to lay hold of his graciousness. That's what faith is. It's we lay hold of his graciousness. That means that we understand that he is our father and he is a rewarder. Again, something we don't talk about very much. 
Hebrews 11.6. He rewards those who seek him. He's a rewarder. And faith is the assurance. It's the evidence of things hoped for and not yet seen. We know that. Faith is the thing that brings the hope of the not yet of the kingdom into the now. Faith is the evidence of our hope in a gracious father who promises not to give us a stone when we ask for bread. Who rewards those who diligently seek him. And that's why we want to be a people who pursue the presence of God. We're passionate, our trust about his presence because in his presence we know that he makes his plans and purposes known to us. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards those passionate, hungry seekers of him with his favour. And I want to use the story of Noah this morning as we look to illustrate this faith. What partnering with the sovereignty of God actually looks like. What does it actually look like? So I want to take the metaphors that we've been using this weekend of ditches and try and land it so you know what you've got to actually dig, what you've actually got to do when you get back. Okay, that's the plan at least. So I want to use that story. And what I love about that story is is that Noah was a man who'd found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And in Genesis 6, if we just turn to that quickly, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it. I'm working on the basis that you all know the story of Noah. Okay? I'm just... If not, <laughs> they're special classes. I think we'll add them in to, <laughs> add them into the training. Um, but there we go. Okay, so Genesis 6, 5 to 22. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that um, every intention of the thoughts of his heart of man was evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Now before we kind of continue too far into the story... It's helpful to realise that before the flood, before Noah had done anything, he was favoured. <laughs> forget the ark, forget all the stuff we know comes next. Before all of that, he found favour in God's sight. He was a righteous man. Noah had learned to pursue God and find God's favour. He clearly loved God and was a man who was hungry after righteousness. Remember Jesus saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied. And and Noah is kind of like a, a foreshadowing of what was to come. Before the flood, before Noah built the ark, he'd learned to live in the favor of God. He learned to steward the presence of God, to pursue the presence of God and receive favour. 
He was hungry for righteousness. He was hungry for connection to God. He was hungry and thirsty for those things. And as a result, Noah was considered righteous and blameless. But God still wanted to wipe out the whole earth because man was bad. But, but Noah was found to be righteous and blameless or God was considering him so because there was such favour on Noah from God because he was hungry. He was thirsty after God's presence. Now, as, we, as you read various bits about Noah, you look in Hebrews eleven seven. You can come to the potential conclusion that Noah was saved by his works. I'm just saying. Have a look. 11.7 of Hebrews. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed the ark, saving his household. And by this, he condemned the world and he became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Ooh. Noah saved his household. You could think that because he built the ark, because he became, he became an heir of righteousness, that he kind of did it himself. Did he do it himself? There's that sense of God giving him the instructions and him doing it, but there was that partnership wasn't there, of Noah's efforts partnering with the sovereignty of God. Noah, Noah doing only what he could do, and so God could do what only God could do. And then we, we read on through uh, the story of Noah, and God comes and he gives him those very precise dimensions of how to build it, what size, the fact that these waters were going to come and flood the earth. He promised to establish a covenant, didn't he, with Noah, and that everything, that those animals would come, that Noah was to gather them into the ark, all the birds, all those different, different things were going to happen. And they, he explained that quite specifically to Noah. And what we see actually is the evidence. Faith is what? It's the evidence of things hoped for and not yet seen. And so this faith of Noah... The evidence of the things not yet seen was the ark. The ark was the evidence. And remember, I mean, think about it. At this point, there'd been no rain. Noah was inland, you know. That, that, why is he building this massive ship? There'd been no rain. It had never rained at that point. So Noah's commitment to the things hoped for and not yet even known, let alone seen, what was, what was rain? When we read the story, you know, it says, it's, it's going to rain. What's that? Build a boat. Why? What's a boat? What does it do? Why do I need one? And I have no doubt that the internal battles that Noah had to face. Can you imagine <laughs> what would have been going on in his head? I have no doubt that the devil was up to his usual tricks. There's nothing new under the sun. And the biggest thing that Noah had to battle 
was the question, did God really say? Did God really say? Rain? What's that? Are you sure you got it right? And that's been the devil's plan from day one. That's what he said to Eve. Did God really say? He hasn't really got a great repertoire. But this is the one he uses a lot. That's one of the biggest faith killers. Having that phrase, did God really say, in our heads. How many faith opportunities have been thwarted because of that question? Did God really say? Why is it so effective? Because doubt, it feeds doubt, it feeds fear. Things we talked about yesterday. And it paralyzes us to act. And that's what faith is. It's the evidence, it's the action of things hoped for and not yet seen. And that's why this question is so powerful, is because what it does is it keeps us in the thought realm, saying that we still hope for those things, but it stops us acting because we're uncertain. Did God really say? Oh, well, I need confirmation, I need this, I need angelic visitations writing in the sky, I need all of this. And he went, did God really say? I'm just feeling a whole, whole lot of God right now. There's some people struggling with that right now. There's some promises right now. Who's struggling with that? Anybody got some big promises that they're just battling over the dig? There's one, I know there's one, there's more. Can you... You know the drill. Why don't you stand where you are? God's on this right now. Right now. Ooh. There's stuff God's saying. He's, he's called you to start something only he can finish. And you're battling with the did God really say. Anyone else? Going once. Well done. Going Twice. Two and a half times. Yeah, well done. And well done. Three times. Okay. Come on, church. You know the drill now. You go stand with them. Release this from them. Come come against it. It's not did God really say. Man, there is a whole lot of Holy Spirit on this right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Kula arada basanda akiara ba asama anda adusha. Ula akala bariaramanda ashanda. U diamashanda akiama. Father, we ask you, Lord, would you move right now in the hearts of these men and women that have stood? And Father, would you stamp your authority? Your yes, I said it. Yes, yes, I said it. Would you put that in their hearts right now? And Lord, would you give them courage to go and start what only you can finish? Lord, would you, would you encourage them to put the first spade into the ground to start digging these ditches that you have called them to dig? 
right now in Jesus' name. We, we release faith and courage right now by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we release courage for what lies ahead. When we break fear and we break off you that thought, did God really say? We release courage right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Just bring those prayers into land. I'll do my best to keep going. (laughs) Wonderful. If you can, just grab a seat. so good, God. He's so good, isn't he? He's so good and thoughtful and kind to us. I love it when he breaks in because he always speaks a better word than I can. Wonderful. There'll be some time for us at the end to press into that and just, um, and just go after some of that some more. I just, there's a, there's just that sense that, you know, you're in good company in that sense that it's one of those things, did God really say? But actually there's, there's breakthrough coming. And, um, and Noah, I've no doubt, had to answer that same internal question. You know, did God really say? And um, I can imagine that through that process of, of, of what happened next, and you, you know the story of all of that, that the man alive, that was a massive deal. And as he, as he kept building, you know, most builders, we got any builders in the house? Most builders would, would love, okay, because the, 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 the ark probably took about 45 years to build. And if you're a builder, 45-year project with no rain, I think that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? You, you're going to think, especially for you northerners, you know what I'm saying. But you're going to think like, man alive, a 45-year building project with no rain, that's what you'd be praying for. But Noah <laughs> and a 45-year project building a boat in the middle, in, in land, I imagine he's probably praying for rain. You know, he's probably thinking, just give me something. So when all these naysayers come and like, what are you doing? You go, yeah, feel that? feel that? That's what I'm talking about. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't get anything. He gets, he gets nothing. Um, and, and suddenly we see this flood come crashing in. It comes crashing in to his world. And um, he's done what he can do. 
He's built this boat. And he gets in the boat. Now, you know, you've all done the kids' stories and you romanticise all of this. The water's coming, it's happening, and he has no way of shutting the door. He's built a boat with a big hole in it. That's what the Bible says. Why? Because God had to come and do what only God could do and close them in. And so this, this boat is built and God comes and, and closes and closes it in as this storm, as this flood comes crashing in. He doesn't close it before the flood. The flood's coming and then he, he closes them in. And, um, okay. <laughs> Anybody else feel like that? You've got circumstances right now where you feel like the floods are coming, crashing in. And the door's still open. Anyone, I just want to give opportunity. Going once, going twice. No, it's fine. It's not if it's not a problem. I'm so I'm so secure because I know I'm I'm God's favourite, so it's okay. Um, so I'm okay if, if I've got it wrong, but I don't want to miss an opportunity. Okay, no, that's really, really cool. That's really cool. So here we have Noah. He's in this situation, he's built a boat with a big hole in it. And, uh, and God comes along and he shuts them in. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered what if Noah hadn't built the ark? You wouldn't be no, I wouldn't be wondering. <laughs> there, there is that. Do you think he would have died in the flood? I think so. I think, I think probably. So... If he hadn't built the ark, he would have died in the flood. So the fact that he did build the ark and didn't die in the flood, was it through his own works that he was saved? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, I found it fascinating when I read this stuff. I'm thinking, hmm, this is where my mind goes when I start kind of thinking about that. But if he hadn't have built the ark, he would have died. So by building the ark by himself, or with his sons, but essentially by himself, in his own strength, as it were, he built it. The ark didn't supernaturally appear. So he had to build it. So was it through his own efforts that he was saved? Well, yes and no. <laughs> so I told you I'd take the line of the radical middle, didn't I? You know, but yes and no. It was his partnership with the sovereignty of God. But you can't actually separate one from the other. Because if he'd built the ark and God wasn't, sovereignly moving and told him to do it he would just have a very big ship in the middle of nowhere it was both of those things together it was it was Noah's communion with God that brought the whole thing about but were it not for Noah's faith the ark would not have been built and remember what I said faith is the assurance it's the evidence 
of things hoped for and not yet seen. Noah could have heard God say he was going to flood the earth and that he would save Noah with an ark. And Noah's hope was that God would save him. But was that the case? In a sense, it, it was and it wasn't because it was Noah's faith. It was the evidence of the hope that Noah put in the sovereign word of God that saved him. Okay? It was the evidence, because God put the hope in his heart of salvation with the ark, but it was the evidence of that hope. It was the the tangible evidence of that hope that then saved him. And you may well have heard the, the anecdote, you know, the, the go, uh, sto- story of the guy in his house, the floods are coming, the, it's coming and it's rising up and it's rising up and suddenly he has to move all his furniture upstairs because it's, it's getting deeper and deeper. This may be a bit close to home for some of you, um, but I'm just, <laughs> just keeping it current. Um, and, 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 and you may have cried out to God to save you. You're moving everything up and suddenly the waters are coming up, up, and suddenly this guy finds himself on the roof of his house crying out to God, God, save me. And suddenly, the lifeboat comes past and says, come with us, come with us. And he says, no, God will save me. And then the Coast Guard comes with their helicopter as it rising up. And, and he says, come on, we'll winch you up. No, God will save me. And then the man finds himself in heaven. <laughs> and he says to God, God, I cried out to you. Why didn't you save me? And God says, what did you want me to do? I sent a lifeboat and a helicopter. There's a partnership. There is a, a us working. There's an evidence of our hope. The man on the roof had a hope in something not yet seen, which was salvation from God, but he didn't allow that hope to have legs. He didn't allow that hope to become faith. What's faith? It's the evidence of things hoped for. And so faith required Noah to start something that only God could finish. Otherwise, he's just as I said, he's going to have a big boat in the middle of nowhere with a front door that he couldn't shut. So that is what Noah was called to do. He was called to start something that he couldn't finish. That only God could finish. This was the ark. The finished work, the finished end wasn't the ark. The finished work was the salvation of mankind. But the evidence of Noah's faith was the ark. And that was what was happening here. And that was the thing. When the floods came, God had to do what only God could do. There was no rudder. No mast. Nothing. They were literally locked in. There was no deck. Because the only way that Noah could get the bird out was through the window. There was no pool. (laughs) It wasn't that kind of boat. And so God had to finish sovereignly what Noah had to begin. So he had to start something he couldn't finish. 
But Noah believed God and he started a process. He started doing, as Jeremy told us in that first session, he started to do what only Noah could do so that God could finish what only God could do. And as I said earlier, you know, anything that we do that's not from faith is sin. It doesn't please God. And I, wanna, I want us to think about that project just for a minute. Starting something only God could finish. How many things do you start that if God doesn't show up, you're going to look stupid? Or do you only start things that you know you can finish? Anything done without faith is never going to please God. Faith requires us to start things only he can finish. I mentioned finance earlier. Are you giving in a way that if God doesn't show up, things might not pan out quite so well? When you're witnessing to neighbours, to friends, to colleagues, to family members, to the barrister, barrister, barrister in the coffee shop. There's a small difference, there's a world of difference in there. (laughs) There's an illustration in there somewhere, isn't there? I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. But as, we, as we've got even promises over our lives, are we digging, them, digging into them in a way that is full of faith? As we're witnessing to people, are you witnessing in a way that if God doesn't show up, you will look foolish? Or do you witness in a way that you know you can talk your way out of any time, any place, anywhere? as we've kind of had those promises over our lives, over family members coming to Christ, let me ask you, how are you evidencing your faith in that promise? Are you having conversations that if God doesn't show up, you're going to look foolish? And often we don't do conversations like that because we're trying to protect God's God's reputation. He doesn't need you to do that. He can look after his own reputation. Is there anybody in that situation? Sorry, I'm just going to go for some of these, some of these things. You're just feeling right now, as I'm speaking, you're thinking, do you know what? I thought I had faith, but actually it was hope. I've been hoping for a situation because there is no evidence of the things I'm hoping for. Is that, is that anyone? If you, okay. See, there's a man who knows how to do it. Come on. This is great. This is like, this is, I just, oof. I love it when I get invaded by the Holy Spirit as I'm speaking because I just feel this stuff that God wants to deal with. Um, excellent. Anyone else? Okay, if you can't stand, just put your hand up like that. I'm, I'm getting what's going on the back there. It's fine. No problem. Okay, if you can get around these people, let's do that. There's a lady at the back with her hand up who can't stand, which is fine. If we can just do that, that would be wonderful. 
Whoa. I think there's just a moment right now where God's going to release faith where you can actually evidence what you've been hoping for rather than just hoping for stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Particularly, I feel, over prodigal kids um, and some close family members. So, and God's going to move you from hope to faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Well done. Well done. If you need to keep receiving, that's fine. Just got a couple more points I'd like to, to bring, and then we'll move into a, a more structured time of ministry, if such a thing exists. Wonderful. There's some seat arrangements need to change down the front here, that's fine. There's seats down on the front rows. Wonderful. God's good, isn't he? He is so good. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm just going to press on. If you're enjoying Holy Spirit, let him keep speaking to you. He'll speak a better word than I will, as I've said. It's great. Wonderful. Hey, just as I, these last few minutes, I want us to really begin to, to ground this. Um, for us in terms of digging ditches. What does that, what does that really mean? And um, don't put your hands up. Um, but I want to ask a question. Who believes that we are justified by faith alone? There's a reason I asked you not to put your hands up. <laughs> it's an interesting question 
But the, we can easily get confused in our understanding just because of paraphrasing and all of that. But the reality is, is that we aren't justified by faith alone. James 2.24 says, you see that a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. So I didn't need a big book to tell me, but that's what it says. I'm not. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith. But we are actually justified by our works. Now, we get a bit, oh, hold on. You're getting to that thin bit on the ice right there. Well, where do we go with this? But the reality is that is the case. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. Yeah, so, so it's not our works that save us, but once we've been saved by grace alone through faith, then we get to do works, which, James says, justifies us. James 2, 14 to 26. What good is it then, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? We're saved by grace through faith, but I've said that faith is what? It's the evidence of things hoped for and not yet seen. The evidence of your salvation will be the activation of your faith and the evidence of that hope, which will be your work. It's how you partner your efforts with the sovereignty of God. Can this faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in in peace, be warmed, be filled without giving them the things they need for the body? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, I love this. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was Rahab the prostitute was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as apart from the body, the spirit is dead. So faith apart from works is dead. Boom. I love that. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith without works is pointless. So when we start talking about digging ditches, so the presence of God can flow out into the communities that we are part of, as we partner with that word, 
There has to be works. We have to get a spade and a shovel and start digging. We can't just, because if you'd have said, you know, if you'd have said to Noah, Noah, where's your faith? What do you think you'd have said? Would he have said anything? If, I, if you were asking me that and I was Noah, I wouldn't have said anything. I'd have just gone. So as you go back to your churches, as you go back and we say, what did God say? What did God stir in your heart? And then I ask you next year, where's your faith? What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Hopefully, you're going to say, see this ditch? I dug that. That's my ditch. And that's why the ditches went out across the whole valley. So everyone could say, that's my ditch. I dug that ditch. That is a ditch to my school. That is a ditch to my workplace. That is a ditch to our community centre in the village. I've dug that ditch ready so when the, the spirit comes, it will flow straight into that workplace. Where's your faith? There it is, right there. I've dug that ditch. Faith without works is dead. What's James saying? He's saying there has to be that partnership, that combination of the sovereignty of God when God speaks. He does nothing without first speaking to his prophets that tell us what's going on. So we get that whole sense of he speaks and we get to partner with what he's saying, but not just in a lovey-dovey kind of Christian way up in the clouds there somewhere. What he does is he sows hope. When the prophets speak, it sows hope for what God's going to do into my heart. And then I get the privilege of evidence in that hope. Faith is the assurance. It's the evidence of things hoped for. So I now get to dig my ditch in line with the sovereignty of God. So I do what I can do so he can come and do what only he can do. The ditch is the same as the ark. No rain, what's the point of an ark? Ditch, no rain, what's the point of a ditch? And so we've got to partner in that way together and think about what it is that God's calling us to do. So the picture is there big. Fill the valley with ditches. And sometimes if we paint the picture only big, no one actually starts digging because you just kind of think, well, it's just someone's, someone should do something. Do you have that in your church? Is it just me? People come, Andy, someone should do something. <laughs> okay. When you find this someone and he's worked out what the something is, let me know. But if we paint pictures that are just up here, you end up with someone should do something. And no one does nothing. And so what we've got to do is where we get that hope put in our heart, we have to turn it to faith where there's evidence for me. What's your evidence? What's your evidence going to be when you go back today? And God's putting those things in your mind right now. What's your evidence? 
I love that testimony uh, of, of, sorry, you forgot your names, of church planters, you know. It's like, I'm a full-time mum. Well, she's digging ditches into the community through mums. Awesome. Where's her faith? Right there. Right there. Goes all the way up to the mums and toddlers group up the road. That's my ditch. Now, it's not like, I'm not saying that as a sense of ownership or proudness, but that sense of actually it's gone from someone should do something to I'm going to do this. And that's where I believe that we need to be able to leave this place. I said yesterday, the most holy moment of this conference will be you going back and actually putting a shovel in the ground and start digging your ditch so that when that rain of the Spirit comes, it's going to direct that into the places where you already have influence. Yeah? So I'm just going to give you a second or two now. Where are you going to dig your ditch to right now? Just start, start thinking. Where, where's the hope been placed in your heart? Those of you in education touched on that earlier. Start, how are you going to start digging a ditch into your classroom? Emergency services. You're going to start digging ditches. Medics. Where are you going to start digging ditches? Faith is the evidence. It's the evidence. James calls it works. Without works, faith is dead. Without works, it's just hope. It's just hope. And if we're going to see God do all that he's promised, we've got to stop hoping and start faithing. Start faithing. Are you guys carrying anything? <laughs>